Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And I invite you to be seated. So one of my kids was born on Earth Day. She even got the shirt this last Earth Day. It says, Earth Day is my birthday. And this kid fits the day. She loves the dirt. She loves the soil, the plants, and the bugs. In fact, just the other day, we counted 53 roly-polies on a walk. She'll pick up slugs with her bare hands. She digs in the dirt. She puts her hands through the soil and through the earth. And so she decided to do some earthy stuff the other day, and she created a little makeshift pot for soil, basically the bottom of a Gatorade bottle, put some compost in there and soil, and then she planted a seed. Well, you know what happened next, right? The seed sprouted, and it grew. Night and day, whether she slept or got up, the seed sprouted and grew. She doesn't know how it works. It just does. That was the first part of our gospel reading, right? That's what the kingdom of God is like. That's what Jesus said. Mark 4, verse 27, all by itself the soil, the earth, produces. In the Greek, all by itself is automatically the soil produces. That's what my Earth Day birthday daughter realized firsthand. The seed was sown and automatically the soil produces, sprouts, grows. That's a parable. It's a story to teach us a truth about the kingdom of God. Now, in Mark chapter 4, there are a lot of parables, a lot of stories, and they each give us a different insight, but there sure is a lot of talk about seeds. And the two seed parables we're looking at today teach us about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man, not the kingdom of a particular earthly ruler, not the kingdom of a certain country or man-made political system, not the animal kingdom, but the kingdom of God, the reign of God. The active, entering, growing presence of God in the world. And so in some ways, Jesus is challenging us to think about how God operates, how Jesus operates, how he reigns and he governs and he rules and he does his kingly work in his kingdom. As opposed to the way we might operate. Our ways, our governments, Our leaders, our earthly kingdoms, how they think, they act, they plan, or reign. How is God different? How does he reign? What type of king is he? What type of ruler is he? My daughter planted the seed and it grew. It produced without her help, without her intricate knowledge of germination or photosynthesis or paleo, it still grew. In this parable, we learn that the kingdom of God, the reign of God, will take root. Now, does Jesus mean it's going to take root in the world or in society or in someone's heart? He doesn't exactly specify, but we know that it will take root somewhere and it will grow automatically on its own and by itself, as the NIV says. And you've probably seen it in your own life. A seed was planted in you and it grew. I saw it this past week at a memorial service right here on Wednesday. We had a service right here. We grieved the death of one of God's saints. We celebrated her life. This woman had sowed seeds of God's words into her kids' lives, and it automatically grew in her kids and her kids' kids. So that on 
her own deathbed, her grandchildren grown, blossoming in their own right, producing fruit of their own. They chose Bible verses to read to her, to speak to her, to pray over her in her last days before she died. It was powerful. And one of her little granddaughters got up right there and read those scriptures during her memorial service. The reign of God, the kingdom of God growing and producing fruit in just one family's existence. You see, sometimes we take the parable of the sower. That's Mark chapter 4 at the very beginning. You can read it right now if you want. We read that parable about the sower sowing seed and we take it to the extreme. And we wonder about the seed that doesn't bear fruit. And maybe we start to question the work of God and we question ourselves. But this little simple parable in our reading today, is a counterbalance to that thinking, to that overthinking. It's there to reassure us that it is the true essence and nature of God's kingdom, of God's reign, to grow, to manifest itself. That's what it does. As a lamp belongs on a lampstand, God's reign, like a seed, it must grow. It will grow. Even if untended and even if its gradual expansion is nearly impossible to detect, it is automatic. It will grow. It will produce fruit automatically. Now, we have a lot of things that we set up to be automatic, right? Automatic deposit, automatic withdrawal, automatic watering of our lawns. We even have it here in church. Many of us have our giving set up, right? Tithing, automatically sent to the church every month. We sponsor a kid with GraceWorks. The payment is set up automatically, 25 or 50 or $100 a month. Automatically, the investment grows and grows so that over the life of a child, they are nourished, supported, educated, empowered to grow, to mature, to sprout and bear fruit. Automatically. Jesus Christ has planted the seed of his word into the soil of humanity, and it will grow. It has grown. It will continue to grow and produce fruit. The growth of the kingdom of God relies on God, relies on Jesus, relies on his word, and his word is reliable. But Jesus continues to elaborate even more about this kingdom of God with another parable about seeds. We just read it, verse 31. He says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Now, I got to admit that the first parable is a little more like an earth science class for elementary kids. It's kind of easy. But this one gets a little bit more intricate and involved. And as we read it, yes, it resonates with many things that we've already learned about the kingdom of God, about God's reign, that something very small will eventually change into something much, much larger. And something that appears to be obscure and insignificant will become huge and noticed. Right? We got the calling of these fishermen to be disciples by this unknown, unschooled rabbi named Jesus from an obscure town called Nazareth in this relatively unimportant place called Galilee. In worldly terms, that definitely fit under the insignificant category. Yet this insignificant, obscure group turns into something quite public and huge. Kind of like the mustard plant. Think about it this way. A little baby was born 2,000 years ago, and now he has 2.4 billion followers. That's going from something small to something huge. 
And we can learn even more about the kingdom of God as we look at this parable, the reign of God. It, it won't just grow for the sake of looking pretty. It says that creatures, that birds will find a safe place there. They will find shelter, shade, security. All of that is important teaching about the nature of the kingdom of God. But there is more to this parable when you really slow down and you look at it and consider the context a bit more. It reveals that what Jesus is saying here is kind of shocking, maybe even funny, or perhaps perceived as ridiculous. But remember, this is not the kingdom of humanity. It is the kingdom of God. So first, God's reign isn't like just some ordinary seed. Jesus talks about it being a mustard seed. Now, we all love our mustard, don't we? I know I do, especially the fancy kind on deli sandwiches. But I'll even take the French's on a corn dog or a hot dog, if you know what I mean. Even we all love our mustard. But in Jesus' day, it wasn't like that. In Jesus' day, mustard is not the kind of crop most people would sow or plant. It wasn't a cash crop. Where Jesus lived, mustard was prolific like a common and sturdy weed. And it would pop up almost anywhere, and it would start to multiply. It's that way here too, right? You go up to Irvine Park and you can see it all over the place when it is in bloom. In fact, my wife took a picture of this up at Concordia, Irvine. That's mustard. And this stuff grows like crazy, like a weed. You've seen it, right? So most likely, some of Jesus' listeners must have groaned, maybe even chuckled. Why is he comparing the kingdom, the reign of God, to a mustard plant? Mustard? Well, the reign of God apparently is much of cash crops, not a money-making plant. Yet it grows. And it is not easily eradicated. Good luck keeping it out of your well-manicured garden or your farmland. When this stuff grows, it grows. Check out this bloom up in Northern California. Naturally just happen. And when we pray your kingdom come, it might just come and spread everywhere. Like an uncontrollable weed. It might grow so much that it will push us out of our comfort zones. But what else do we learn about the kingdom? Jesus describes the fully grown mustard plant as the largest of all garden plants. Could be translated as the greatest of all shrubs. At this point, some of his listeners probably looked at him skeptically. Maybe condescendingly. Maybe at each other like, what is this guy talking about? Mustard can grow dense, as you saw in those pictures, but Jesus' listeners would probably not consider it as magnificent. And here we see that Jesus might be smiling on the inside as he challenges his hearers' perceptions, perhaps challenging them and us to have a different notion of greatness and magnificence. After all, it's the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of humanity, not the animal kingdom. There's a certain humor and absurdity to what Jesus is saying, which is probably part of his main point. Jesus could have compared the kingdom of God to the cedars of Lebanon, right? Like this. That's the very thing that we see in our Old Testament reading from Ezekiel chapter 17. I mean, if he compared the kingdom of God to a cedar like that, with such height and with majesty, that's a kingdom that would cause people to stand in awe. Looking up at such great strength and power, it's impressive. But no, Jesus describes something more ordinary. A mustard plant 
a weed of sorts. Yes, it's ordinary, but it is also something that can show up anywhere. It can take over inch by inch. It can broadly transform an entire landscape. Look at that field. It's everywhere. And it grew automatically all by itself. Now, there might be some people out there have a problem with this kind of plant. The kingdom like this, it's too much. It's a nuisance. It's getting into my life too much. It's getting into my garden. But for the birds who need shelter, shade, and safety, it's the home they always were longing for. Jesus is perhaps inviting us in this parable to see the kingdom of God for what it is. It's God's kingdom. It's God's reign. And his reign challenges our definitions of how a king or how a leader should rule and govern. God's kingdom is different than the kingdoms of this world. God's kingdom will mess with the boundaries and the conventions we as humans have created. And like a flat, fast, replicating plant, it will grow in places we never thought of or dreamed of. It will get into everything. It will, it will go into places we never thought it could be possible. And it will bring life there. It will bring color there. It will be safety and shade to barren places and birds needing shade and safety. The kingdom of God will push away certain human concerns and its small, plant-like, humble appearance. It may challenge our notions of cedar kingdoms. And when it does that, it might challenge our pride, our posturing, and maybe even our hidden desires for the church and the kingdom of God to act like the kingdoms of the world, maybe even the animal kingdom. But just because the kingdom of God is like a small mustard seed, just because it's like an invasive mustard plant, it doesn't mean it is by any means less powerful or less influential or weaker than the strong cedars of Lebanon. Right? Because the king of kings, Jesus, he had no home. He had no place to lay his head. He was born to a poor peasant woman. He had a ragtag group of followers. And the kingdoms in charge at the time... The religious elite and the occupying Romans, they lifted him up on a tree. They tortured him. They mocked him. They spit on him. They killed him in the pursuit of their kingdom, their power, their control. Yet, my friend, these kingdoms don't even exist today. They're gone. They vanished. They're not even the size of a small mustard seed. Kingdoms of man have come and gone. They will come and they will go. The, the largest kingdoms of men right now, China, 1.3 billion. India, 1.3 billion. The USA, 330-some million. These kingdoms, they come and they go. But the kingdom of God, the Christian church on earth, at this moment has 2.4 billion people. And that doesn't include the billions of saints in paradise with Jesus now or the ones to come. And when we pause and we look at it that way, we realize the gift that we've been given. We're living in the results of these two parables of the seeds. The presence of God in the world, it grows and it has grown automatically by his power and his gospel and his spirit. And it has grown from one small little mustard seed to a mustard plant that reaches across the world, not high, but broad. And it has invaded, in a good way, 
the farthest reaches of the world, popping up in places where we never would have imagined or designed from a human perspective. It reaches far to all nations, even to us. And it is done that by the true eternal freedom, salvation, and healing message that we find in Jesus. That's the kingdom of God. That's the reign of God. That's the way he rules from humility and from sacrifice, from love, from peace, and from the cross upon which he died for all humanity. So I I don't know where you are today, and I'd imagine that some of you in this room, you are desolate. You're in a desert place. You're wondering if any seed of hope could take root in you. I want to plant a seed in you right now. God loves you. And his kingdom will grow in and through you. Some of you, you can pause today and you look back at your life and you see all the little seeds that were sown in you by a parent, by a friend, by a loved one, by a stranger maybe. And the mustard seed has exploded in your life. Your faith is strong. You're producing fruit. And I hope you pause and praise God for his reign, his kingdom in your life. Some of you here today, there is someone in your life. They need a seed of God's love to be planted in them. And so I'm challenging you to go out today. Don't worry about that seed growing and producing and all that stuff. Just plant the seed. Plant the seed of God's love into their life and watch it grow. I was having a pretzel with my family on Friday night. You know one of those warm, doughy, good ones? You ever had one of those? Yeah, those are good. You know the kind that you dip in mustard, right? But before we ate, we bowed our heads and we prayed. We thanked God for all he provides. And I thought, there we were. Descendants of European and South American ancestors sitting in Southern California in the United States of America. My wife and my kids, my birthday birthday girl included, 2,000 years after Jesus, thousands of miles and thousands of culture apart. If it wasn't for the small seed growing huge, we wouldn't have bowed our heads and thanked God for this food. After amen, I tore a piece of warm pretzel and I dipped it in the mustard. And I thought, wow, the kingdom of God is huge. Mark 4.31. The kingdom is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Perch in its shade today, my friends. The kingdom of God is among you. Amen? Amen.